0: Hey, this is Carl, I reckon I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. Mm. Thirty-two two fellas on it. I don't understand them. One talks, one don't. Mm. That's all I got to say. All right, then. This is Governor Coon, and here in the Cloak of Sith, we never listen to the Order 66 podcast. I'll get you my D twenty radio, your gamers roll. wwwd 20 radiocom Execute Order sixty-six
1: Coming to you on a beam of, wait a second—that's the wrong show. Wrong show, huh? Okay. Well, we'll just say this is Sunday, August the 10th. Barely Sunday, August the 10th, 2008, mm-hmm. and we are here for episode number 29 of the Order 66 podcast. 29. I'm GM Dave. What
2: is up, Gamer Nation? I'm GM Chris. And I am stupefied that we're sitting here doing the twenty ninth episode of this uh, little uh, internet radio show devoted to uh, the glory that is Star Wars Saga Edition role playing.
1: I know it, dude. We're talking almost about to ding thirty.
2: And what's really interesting is that you know that's probably going to be our Gen Con extravaganza episode thirty. So I find that I find that very appropriate that uh, for episode thirty we're gonna we're gonna have that going on in uh, you know right. uh, about, about a week's time. So. Yep. And That's that,
1: excitement. And that episode will be late. Be- a little bit, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Be- but we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Yeah. But uh, yes, yes. So uh, we got a lot of great stuff to talk about today, guys. We got a lot of cleanup to do, a lot of few things to talk about. We got some some great questions to answer and a few things to, to delve into. Um, we really do want to get to it. But what do you say, Dave? Well, do we have some announcements?
1: I believe that we do.
2: Well, we want to thank you guys for listening to our podcast, but if you're a fan of Star Wars Saga Edition and uh, you realize the fact that it you know, served as kind of the watsy testing bed for the uh, glory, the power, and the passion that is 4th Edition Dungeons and & Dragons, and you are a fantasy fan who's interested in learning about the new system, you can do so. Where, Dave? Um,
1: Wizards of the Coast. No. Um, SesameStreet.com. N- no, 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 oh Hamlet, Hamlet dot R F H. Ah, right. Yep. Radio yep, yep. Free Hamlet. Yep. Coming to you live on a radiant, uh, on a radiant beam of radiant light or something. I forget. I'm just screwing beam it all up. Beam of radiant light. Yes. I'm talking more than usual. Sorry, Slingblade.
2: <laughs> That's okay. Just watch yourself, man. I, you know, I don't want you, you know, stealing my thunder. Mm. My 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 thunder.
3: Okay. Mm. Mm, I reckon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I reckon <laughs> but you guys can check out our sister cast Radio Free Homlet uh, they have their 6th episode up and live and um you can link to it directly from d20radio.com, our website, where you can also log on to our forums at d20radio.com forums, and you can uh, join the Gamer Nation, get your voice heard, uh, post your thoughts about the cast, or ask any questions you'd like answered uh, by the Gamer Nation. We have a pretty amazingly supportive community uh, with a lot of great members and good moderators and uh, some very experienced folks to, to help a lot of people out. And of course, if you uh, want to throw your own Spring Blade impersonation up on the mix, or any other, I never listen to the Order sixty six podcast bumpers. Uh, you can give us a call. Yes, Dave?
1: Absolutely. One eight hundred be a geek. No, I'm sorry. Here I am. I'm, it's too early in the morning, man.
2: It's far uh, too early in the morning. Yep. And if you do call one hundred be a geek, yeah, you're not going to get us.
1: You're probably not going to get anybody anymore. But anyway, two zero six six hundred. 5872 or loser USA Funny how and somebody referenced the loser line on the uh, forum I thought
2: that was pretty funny yeah it's pretty good very very good very good And speaking of very good uh, the Ennies and uh, N World Awards uh, ha- have officially closed voting and we hope you guys took our announcement to heart last week and went out and voted because our favorite role playing game Star Wars Saga edition has been nominated for four Ennies, the uh, creme de la creme of internet RPG uh, gaming awards. And I don't know, man. I'm, You know, I'm going to be at Gen Con and I-, I hope our beloved game does well. There's a lot of amazing systems that got nominated for a lot of awards, but I mean, the results are going to be there at Gen Con and I just can't wait. Cannot wait to see.
1: And then for the two of you that apparently nominated the Order 66 podcast for best RPG podcast, <laughs> y'all are crazy. <laughs> Yes.
2: But you guys can check out uh, all the details on uh, that upcoming voting We We have the uh, the link up on our website, of course, which is d20radio.com. And what else can be found at d20radio.com, Dave?
1: Well, funny you should ask. I think you can find the link directly to D20 Radio Swag.
3: Oh, the Swag. <laughs> and I yes. saw
1: the T-shirt for the first time. To, well, Saturday, today, whatever. You were wearing it, you were sporting it, and it looked tight, really wasn't it? Tight. Oh yeah. It, yeah.
2: It's really, really cool. Our, our t-shirts have our rd 20 Radio logo on them, of course, um, which will actually be updated on our website at some point within the next year or seven, whenever you know Dave can make that three-minute change to uh, our HTML code. Yeah. Yes. But uh, the, yeah, literally, the, the T-shirts have our, our logo on the front and on the back um, in, a, in a nice little Star Wars font. They say, I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. Or if you'd like, if you're an RFH fan in, in a little fantasy Lord of the Rings font, it says, I leveled up listening to Radio Free homeland And you can choose which one you want. And uh, they're very cool T-shirts. We want to thank uh, the fine folks at com. Uh, for hooking us up and serving as our t-shirt provider and uh, if you link from our site you will go directly to the page they have set up for us with them uh, to order tees quickly, fast, and efficiently
1: with our, our lovely logo on them. That's right, man. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yep. Hey, we have a winner. We have a winner.
2: winner! That's right. The contest.
1: The Build a Threat contest. Yo, eleven Winner!
2: Eleven winner! Um, we, we had a lot of submissions for our Build a Threat contest, guys, uh, which ended, obviously, at the end of last month. And we had a, a lot of great design. And, Dave, I, I mean, I'll let you do it. I, th- I think we're pretty pleased to announce, uh, you know, the winner.
1: The winner, Dingleberry McGillicuddy.
2: Yes. No, not really. No. The winner... Will be announced later in the show.
1: <laughs> After, yeah,
2: we want to spend some time on it, guys. So uh, keep listening. We'll get there. Uh, and uh, gosh, I guess a few things to add uh, before we leave our announcements, Dave. Um, sorry about the ad bright, guys.
1: <laughs> Suck it.
2: <laughs> Aw, is someone a bit sore that we had to make him change all the ad bright settings?
1: Yeah, twice. <laughs> that's all right well i, sh- I should have yeah. never put them up there in the first place because i knew for sh- I, I, hell they annoyed me and i'm the administrator of the freaking site. oh well yeah some oh, things well. are more important
2: some things are much more important and those important things are fixed and so now we shouldn't have any ad problems on the site whatsoever but with that guys uh we we, we are in desperate need of, of trying to make revenue for the podcast um I mean, the, the listenership is just growing and growing, and, and the, the server bill, she be a-climbing. And uh, as a result, uh, we would absolutely love it if you guys uh, you know, got a little pocket change, you wanted to maybe go and purchase a t-shirt uh, from the website. That would be a, an amazing help uh, to help us keep this little podcast running, as well as our wonderful forums. And if I'm not mistaken, Dave, in uh, the coming week or two, we are going to have um, a, a donation uh, yep. link up on the website.
1: We, we are going to have a donation link up. This is uh, an idea that I kind of got from another podcast in what we are going to do is a sponsor your own podcast, and you will get a hefty shout out at the top of the show as the sponsor of the podcast. And, you know, maybe five, ten bucks, who knows? A little donation. Nothing major, just enough to keep the uh, bandwidth flowing through the pipes. Twould be nice. Twould be
2: very nice. And uh, a, a more, more Twould Be Nice is Dave.
1: What I got. that be? I, I, got a f- I got a fever. And the only and The only. Prescription. prescription is Gen Con. More cowbell. Oh, sorry.
2: No, no, it's not more cowbell. Ca- it, it, it could be more cowbell. But no, it's Gen Con. Gen Con cometh. It cometh in three days. And I'm so excited. I'm about to piss my pants. I think my wife is about to beat the hell out of me. She almost did twice. Too.
3: Quit talking about Gen Con.
2: Um, God, I, I went and had lunch with uh, DM Tim and Jackson and DM Kate uh, from RFH today. Um, and uh, we were just, just salivating over it. We, we can't wait mm. for Gen Con.
1: I'm jealous. I haven't met Jackson or Kate yet. They're nice folks. They're really nice folks. I bet they are. They sound nice.
2: And they have a fine love for Indian food. We went to this awesome Indian restaurant.
1: Very, oh. very good. Oh. Good. Good. And for very... those of you who are
2: going to be at Gen Con and want to uh, perchance run into either any of the RFH crew or myself, uh, as we said last week, we will have specialty swag Secret specialty swag Just for the folks Who are going to be at Gen Con All you gotta do is stop by Say hi to me If you're a D20 Radio listener Say hi to Tim If you're an RFH listener And we will give you your free
1: swag And you will enjoy it That's right, my golly Because D20
2: Radio is where gamers roll
1: That's right It's super secret probationary type stuff Super
2: secret probationary It's it's where
1: gamers, gamers Roll Roll
2: where, Is where gamers
1: roll for so, yeah. and, and by the by the way, yeah, curry gives me the farts. That's lovely. Yeah. Curry. So.
2: Good curry does not give me the farts, but it does make me want to, you know,
1: have more curry.
2: <laughs> have more curry. <laughs> Great. Right, I can Dave. see you now.
1: Episode 29. Curry gives me the farts.
2: Curry gives me the farts. Gotta love it. <laughs> right. Well, dude, I went down to my post office box yesterday morning, and uh, I had a very interesting postcard there awaiting me from our good friend Commander Cody. Huh. Uh, here, take a look. Take a look, man. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, for those of you at home, uh, this week's postcard uh, appears to be well. It's it's kind of slick. It's covered in a thin film of real nickel-like space dust, hmm. and it's it's carefully stamped with metallic letters proclaiming, "Welcome to our hive, soft one." The Roche system is your home away from home. Mind what you broadcast.
1: <laughs> from across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody.
0: Dear GM Dave and GM
3: Chris, Hey guys, it's been a rather boring week. As my sport is helping a local Imperial governor blockade an asteroid belt. A- asteroid belt? Can you believe it? We're hiding in the Roche system, where the Empire is apparently convinced that the rebel scum is hiding out among the asteroids, building some kind of new ship prototype. All a bunch of nonsense if you ask me. Those rebels couldn't put together a four piece jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> if this governor, Nothops, is his name, isn't careful, he will stand down the commander. But the Roche system is kind of creepy. To be frank, it it really creeps me out a lot. It's home to the Verpine, a strange species of humanoid-shaped insect. Now they live in hives built into the asteroids, and claim to be amazing shipbuilders, though everyone knows aliens can't build ships like we can. (laughs) But the buggers fire us up, because they seem to be able to tap into our radio communications, even between our trooper helmets, and all without the use of technology, I think it's got something to do with those strange antennae on the back of their head. They're twitching constantly, like they're carrying on conversations that we just can't hear. It's getting so calm, can't even have a private conversation with his vet brother anymore. Well, listen guys, I've gotta go. We're bombing another asteroid cluster nearby in the next hour. Gotta make sure Governor Noethotes gets his mysterious rebels. (laughs) I'll write to you guys later. Long live the Empire! Friend, Commander Cody.
1: Nice, nice,
2: very nice. Have you ever, have you ever uh, met one of the Verpine, Dave? Uh, I I
1: used to hunt them for sport. Really? Yeah. The
2: rebel sympathizer used to hunt the Verpine for sport.
1: Hey, you'd be surprised at some of the things I do.
2: <laughs> I understand you're a man who lives on the edge, dude. Your wife was telling me you ran a yellow light yesterday.
1: All right, where did that come from? That came out <laughs> of a movie or something.
2: No, really that either. came out of your wife telling me you you live on the edge because you ran a yellow light yesterday.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh dear, yeah. So I I so I'd be surprised at some of the things you do, huh?
1: Oh uh, no, not really.
2: Not really? Nope. Okay.
1: Oh, No, no,
2: no crazy uh, no crazy skeletons in your closet. No uh, no dark Sith robes or, or red lightsaber hiding up your sleeve. You know, the whole time you're in the Senate or something like
1: that. You know, oh, nothing the... you nothing you want to tell me. Aside from the skeleton that's actually in my closet, no. You you actually have a skeleton in your closet? Yeah, but, I mean, he's been there for several years, and the smell's already passed because it's decomposed. No big deal. I didn't like him anyway.
2: Okay, well... um uh, ladies and gentlemen of the gamer nation, I, I'm pleased to announce that um, uh, two episodes ago will be the last time I will ever ever be performing a podcast uh, live at at GM Dave's house. <laughs> and with that, what do you say we move to some real mail, Dave?
1: Um. Okay.
0: All right, scumbag, pay attention! It's time for mail call.
2: We got some good mail this week, Dave. Some good crunchy questions. Uh, some good ones we haven't had in some time. That we do. Um we got two very good questions that came on the forums from Alex Van D. And uh, I have not posted up a response to this yet, Alex, because quite frankly, I really wanted to answer it on the air.
1: Professor Um, Van Doren.
2: Alex's first question, he wanted to know, can the devastating hit, uh, which is a gunner starship maneuver, of course, part of the starship maneuvers that are in uh, Starships of the Galaxy, um, can it be combined with the rapid shot feat? Mm-hmm. This is very interesting. For those of you not familiar with the devastating hit starship maneuver, it's a very cool maneuver. It, it, um, it's, of course, like all maneuvers, you can use it once in an encounter. And what you do is you, you activate it and you you make your attack roll. And depending, if you hit, depending on how many points you exceed the target reflex defense you're trying to, to beat, you do extra dice of damage. Um, it's like, you know, man, you like you, you hit a really critical system, you know? And um, it, it's actually very, very cool. I mean, you can do up to three extra dice of damage on your attack roll, uh, your, your damage, you know, just for, for rolling really well on your attack roll. So that's very cool. Now, as far as Rapid Shot goes, Rapid Shot, of course, is the staple uh, feat for, for many ranged combatants where you take a minus two to your attack roll and uh, and you gain a, a, plus, t- a plus, uh, plus one die of damage. Uh, to your, to your, to after your attack roll, which is very, very, very useful and usually worth its weight in gold. And you can use Rapid Shot with Starship weapons. It has been clarified. So the question is, does it stack with this maneuver? Uh, sure. <laughs> I don't see why, why not. not. Uh, there, You know, one is a standard action, and Rapid Shot's used with that. Uh, there's been no errata that says otherwise, Alex, and uh, there's no developer ruling on the subject. Okay? Other parts of the game uh, that specifically call out the lack of Rapid Shot usage, um, if appropriate, they're, they're not here, uh, which means that if you can stomach the penalty for rapid shot, it can turn Devastating Hit into just one heck of a talent, which could conceivably net you four extra dice of damage if you manage to attack well, um, right. which is not likely, but it's conceivable. Inconceivable. It's, 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 it's inconceivable. I, I don't know Do you think that word means what you think it means. No.
1: My name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father. Prepare to die. die.
2: Stop saying that!
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, Alex's next second question, uh, he wanted to know, from the Mercenary talent tree in Threats of the Galaxy, when using combined fire and Mercenaries teamwork, does the first ally count as a plus four to damage or just a plus two? Aww. This, is, this is a good one. Yep. Okay. The mercenary talent tree, which is on page 57 of Threats of the Galaxy, is made of a win. It's made of pure <laughs> win. And the majority of the talents uh, have to do a lot with, with combining fire and getting bonuses from your teammates uh, doing damage or attacking as well. Um, and as such, logically, a team that all has these talents usually work pretty damn well together. Um, but for uh, those who like a bit of a refresher, uh, the combined fire talent itself, what it does is it gives you a plus two to your damage uh against a foe, if that foe has been hit by an ally of yours. Which is pretty cool. An ally hits him, well, now you get a plus two to damage him. Mercenaries' teamwork gives you a plus two bonus to damage in the same scenario for each ally that has damaged a foe, up to a plus ten. So if you got five allies that are damaged a foe before you, you would get a plus ten to your damage roll when hitting this guy. Okay. These are two separate talents. Now, although it's not explicitly stated, Alex, Mercenaries' teamwork is clearly the for lack of a better term, step up from combined fire, which is a noted prereq for mercenaries teamwork. Okay, now as such, I'm going to follow the rule of thumb with every other step up talent in this system. It should enhance what is already there, not add on to it. Uh, the enhancement is even laid out. Okay, it allows multiple plus two bonuses, the same bonuses gotten in combined fire, to stack. As such, I've got a rule that the first enemy is only at a plus two, not a plus four. But now you can go beyond, you know, a, a plus, uh, you know, th- that plus two if you have multiple allies hit. So that's kind of where, where I think it lies,
1: basically. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I can see one way or the other. Somebody's going to have to make a ruling on it.
2: Pretty much. But um, I don't know, I think it's just a bit too powerful. And, uh, you know, yeah. just looking at the way the other talents work in the book, I, I think it's a good ruling for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I had one other question on the
2: forums. Um, Asak Yizrim. Yiksak Rabin. Yiksak Rabin, thank you. Um, As usual, he hit us with a really good one this week. And he asks, in the description of the disruptive talent, it says that you suppress all insight and morale bonuses applied to enemies in your line of sight. Bonuses obviously entails positive numerical modifiers, but what about other effects? Say, a uh, talent that grants your enemies an extra action, such as, it's a trap. It's um, a trap! Even a bonus, such as the officer's share talent feature. Mm. Are these bonuses, or do the bonuses in the description mean only positive numerical modifiers? Mm. Interesting thoughts, Asoc. Um Several forum goers have given a crack at this, and and I agree and I disagree. Okay, here's, here's my thoughts, okay? We can debate the semantics of, of the word bonus... <laughs> All we want, okay. I mean, yeah, it, it could mean a numerical modifier, or it could mean a special talent, or action, or, or whatever.
1: Okay. It could mean you die at the end of a movie. Yeah, sure,
2: but it, it could be it could be something that happens, you know, at a really great massage parlor. You
1: know. Oh, happy. Ending. Bonus. <laughs> well, <I've- laughs>
2: but It'd what we can time. unequivocally agree on is the terms uh, morale and insight, okay, which are clearly laid out in raw. So my answer would be that anything given the tag of morale or insight would be suppressed. My second answer is that all three currently published books and all the web enhancements and the official modules that are out there, there is zero use of either one of those terms that I can find with anything but a numerical bonus. (laughs) So you know what? If I was a GM and you found that applied to a non-numerical bonus ability, hey, sure. Why not? But as it is, I think uh, those terms are only to be applied to numerical bonuses. So I think that's really where it would apply. And uh, lastly, my third answer is that Disruptive, having the potential to instantly negate high-level abilities like Share Talent, despite the fact that a first-level Scoundrel can do it, just doesn't quite sound right to me. So... uh, yeah, I would kind of say kind of say no on that just just based on on raw and principle.
1: Right. So. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, is that about it, Dave? Nope. I have two things. Two. Two. First question.
2: Hey guys, GM Brev got a question for you. I always have my questions on my drives too. Isn't that great? Don't have my book in front of me, but I was kind of looking at feats and everything, just having a little bit of fun.
1: And from the first, from what I hear, his boss tells me. It seems to be the only time that he actually uses that squash is when he's in the car. Mm. Yeah, so.
2: And Force boon, kind of interesting.
1: But is it retroactive? Because isn't toughness retroactive? So would Force boon re- be retroactive? I don't know. Just thought it would be a good question. All right, guys. Talk to you all later. Bye.
2: Good question, Brev. Toughness is retroactive. Is Force Boone retroactive? No!
1: That would Why? be a big negatory. big negatory. Why? Because force points reset.
2: <laughs> exactly, because force points reset at every single level. So, uh, yeah, sure, sure, Brev. They're retroactive. You get three extra ones for every single level you've had in the past, but of course, they all reset when you gained your current level that you got the feed at.
1: Right. So. Yep. And no harm, foul. And the last thing is, I got his name wrong, and he got really pissed off at me. Old man, Jax Dusty. That's his name. Jax Dusty. Called back. Okay.
0: What? you order 66 podcast. If there's a bright center to the internet, you're on the podcast that its farthest from. Now go take your T-16s and quit bothering me, you scruffy-looking nerve hurlers.
1: See, he wasn't very happy that I mispronounced his name. Wow. Did he have an actual question, or did he just call the wine? Nope, he just called the wine. That hoser. Yeah, he's a hoser, yeah. He's a hoser, yeah, yeah. Well, Jack's
2: dusty. Uh, I hope we hear from you in the future. You know, maybe you can actually call us with you know a useful question. You oh. know, for uh, the Gamer Nation to dissect. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, until then, if you guys have any questions that you want to call us with, please do so. Call the Loser Line two zero six six hundred five eight seven two. Get to the forums d twenty radio dot com slash forum or email myself at gmchris at d twenty radio dot com or gm dave at d twenty radio dot com and we will get your voice
1: heard. Yep, something like that. Somehow, uh I don't know exactly how I did it, but uh I have voicemail available on Skype. So you can Skype me at GM Dave if you want to. Ooh. That'd that's be awesome. GM Space Dave. That's that's awesome. Yes. Not that's sure how it you... happened, but it did. So anyway, that's that's always a possibility as well. Now watch, we're gonna have like all these Yahoos try and interrupt the podcast by uh jumping into Skype. Mm.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Probably Fuck. Bah. Well, Dave,
2: I have something. And, and no, no, not, not that. No, I, I got medicine to clear that up. I, I have, I have something else. Oh, okay. I went to Wado's this week.
1: All right. All right. Did he give you the gift that keeps on giving? You could say that, uh-huh. but uh,
2: let, let's talk about it.
1: All right.
3: This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Jabba sent you and you get a free chance cube. Uh, We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. Uh, What do you know? Uh...
2: Ah, Dave. Ever since I was a young lad of Oh well, you know, co- college a age.
1: Lab?
2: I've 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 desired to have an item in my possession that I now have, mm. thanks to Wado and the fine folks at Wizards of the Coast web support. We're gonna take the long way today, Padme,
1: take and the we're long going way to home.
2: burst through a wonderful glass window with our Feed Arms S5 Heavy Blaster Pistol, also known, Dave, as the Ascension Gun.
1: Ah, yes. Oh, yes.
2: <laughs> We've seen it. We love it. We remember it from past editions. Uh, the Ascension Gun, younglings. You can find it where Wado did, on the Wizards of the Coast Star Wars website, www.wizards.com It Star Wars. It is buried in the KOTOR Minis Preview Number 5, right along with Captain Panaka's entry and his saga stat conversion. Uh, the, the feed arms s5 it's really more of a it's more than just a heavy blaster pistol though uh, w- which it is okay uh, this versatile unit contains n- not only 10 micro darts but it has an ascension attachment that can be fitted with two 20 meter liquid cable dispensers. Um, firing the ascension attachment towards a targeted surface up to eight squares away uh, it will immediately grab hold and can lift 500 kilos Dave dude. Oh, nice yawn. Are you tired?
1: Yeah, it's one in the morning. Are you
2: excited by the by
1: the ascension gun? I am excited, but I'm tired.
2: Okay, well, don't be too tired.
1: All right, sorry.
2: It's rude, you know. We got a podcast going on. I know. You're making me feel bad.
1: I know, but you asked me a question in the middle of a yawn, dude. Dude. <laughs> See, that one word can be used for so many things. Dude. <laughs> dude. Dude. Dude.
2: Dude. dude. So nice. many emotions.
1: Yep. You disintegrate them all right there.
2: All and I'll be screaming, "Dude!" when I'm being, you know, hauled up. My, my my slovenly butt is hauled up through the air with the with the ascension gun, uh-huh. uh, since it can pull five hundred kilos. That utterly amazing.
1: It'll barely lift me up. <laughs> well, at least it can lift you up.
2: Uh, but uh, honestly, this is just a really cool weapon. Um, the micro darts, guys, are nothing to sneeze at either. Uh, they deal only minimal damage, but they contain the nasty paralytic poison that's noted on page 255 of the core rulebook. And so bottom line, this is a heavy blaster pistol, which packs a wallop on its own, man. Three die eights, nothing to sneeze at. Oh, yeah. And it has been outfitted by Thede Arms to serve as a utility tool and an amazing defensive weapon that can capture a foe alive or blow them the hell away. Uh, so the question, how do you get one of these babies? Well, I'm assuming be a member of the Theed military, apparently, because no cost or even weight is listed for it. Uh, Wado cut me a deal that I'll probably regret later. Yeah. But for now, I am Batman.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Batman. Yes. Was there supposed to be something at the end of the credits?
2: Oh, for Dark Knight? Yeah. Oh, your guess is as good as mine. I'm I'm so angry. Did I tell you what what happened?
1: Yes, uh, Yes, you have to tell the Gamer Nation this because this is such a uh, this is such a sad story. We're going to go ahead and kick off the sad music.
2: Well, I went to go watch The Dark Knight with my wife, and and it was a great movie, and it was really great, and Heath Ledger was awesome, and and every performance was just really great, and and I was really enjoying the movie. And then it, it must have been about five or six minutes before the end of the film, when when Harvey Dent broke out of the hospital and, and kidnapped the commissioner's family, and he and Batman got into it and got shoved off the edge of that building and they landed. But everything was okay. I was so happy. And then, and then, I watched as as Batman and the commissioner were talking about about Harvey Dent and, and how his reputation was ruined. And the power cut out in the theater. (laughs) Uh, Some asshole, forgive my French, uh, I I use the term strongly because that's how angry I am, hit a transformer and took out about two city blocks. Uh, We did get a rain check, but I, I just have not been back to the theater to go watch the last six minutes of the Dark Knight, what everyone is telling me has been the greatest superhero movie ever made, ever in the history of anything, and I missed the last six minutes of it. And I'm a sad panda. Yeah. But that's okay.
1: Yeah. I'll live. You'll live.
2: I'll live. Especially now that I have the feed Arms Ascension Gun.
1: That's right. Yeah. So check it out. Now you're happy. Happy panda. It's kind of a sad happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Well, without further ado, the BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing.
0: And now, Dark Thoughts with Twilight Goodness.
2: I sometimes
1: wonder what stormtroopers look like underneath their armor. But then I realize I wonder that about every guy who wears a codpiece.
0: This has been Dark Thoughts with Twi'lek
2: Goodness.
1: (laughs) Ooh, the pleasures and mysteries of the codpiece. The BBC now says it's safe to go ahead and let your family view again, or listen. Or whatever they do behind closed doors.
2: That was the most contradictory thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: By themselves. And with that others. That made absolutely no sense. You know, because when you're sad, happy, and by yourself and with others, you never know what you're going to do in public behind closed doors. So, there you have it. Thank you. Other random Thank musings at 1.15 in the morning. <laughs>
2: well, speaking of happy, sad, greatness behind
1: closed doors when you're with others... <laughs> oh, hey, that's my cue. Yes.
0: Oh, that's just swell. That's great. Hey, that's awesome.
1: When good games go great.
2: Wow. wow. That sounds like you at 1.15 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back, guys, to our new and improved segment on the gaming moments that gave us all that special feeling. The kind of special feeling you get when you wear a codpiece. Dude, um, Or at the very least, the moments that make us smile and go, dude, that's pretty cool. And uh, tonight, I would like to share a gaming moment and be incredibly highly selfish and, and, and share a story of amazement from my most recent gaming session. Oh, boy. Where my own party, against my wishes, but uh, against my expectations, but very much in line with my, with my wishes, displayed uncanny valor, quick thinking, and excellent role-playing in a beast of an encounter that was a wicked rapscallion to try and run, <laughs> and uh, will probably be one of my favorites for for some time to come. Yep, uh, I call this encounter proving grounds, and I mean, without without getting into too much detail in my campaign, it is important to know that it takes place in, in an alternate timeline that never actually occurred. Um, our heroes are Republic agents that are attempting to track down the trail of a, a missing Jedi Master. And their search led them to the unknown and far-flung far, far flung Yavin system, where um, after a surprise attack in orbit from orbital missiles, their ship nearly crash lands into the jungles of Yavin 4. And I thought it was actually cool, first and foremost, because um, I set up a very difficult scenario that it was going to be highly unlikely they got out of. And uh, they were literally being bombarded in orbit by, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of these uh, little orbital missiles, these little homebrewed space threats I threw up, these little CL-3s that were really nasty and would just kind of uh, go after you with the speed of a fighter and then explode on impact. Um, pretty pretty easy to do. And I know I could tell several of them were, were rather frustrated, Dave, especially you and especially the Jedi. <laughs> because you guys couldn't do anything. You were in one big ship. Yep. And uh, you know, there there was one person at the guns, there was uh, one person at the at the pilot, one person at the co-pilot, and, and that was kind of it. And you guys probably lasted about four rounds before the ship uh, got disabled and plummeted into orbit. And at this point, I was totally amazed because what you know, I, I had it planned out. Too. I was like, okay. Well, when they fall, they, they'll take this much damage. You know, they they might pass out. They could be awoken in this way. And literally, the the tech in the group, um, the the Bothan, uh, scout. Um, Co. He he jumps into action, and uh, he says, "Okay, I'm gonna try and jury rig the ship." And I'm like, "Ah!" I'm thinking to myself, "Somebody listened to last week's podcast." <laughs> <laughs> and uh well okay well give me the check well he had a couple good aid rolls and uh he jury-rigged the ship and got it back running now technically are they in an encounter i don't know but it was so darn cool i said okay well the encounter is until the ship lands basically so they got it back up and running and uh, a few good pilot checks later they managed to land wounded um but at least uh, intact in the middle of the jungles of yavin 4 and uh that was a very a very Interesting thing, and um, I, I like to sit in the mood too. I I am using music in this campaign, which I, I don't do very often. But uh, so a lot of you guys out there have encouraged me, so I got I got the I grew a pair and got my nerves up and decided to uh, to put together a soundtrack for my sessions. And um, you know, so the, the players are stepping off the ship into this steamy steamy jungle of, of Yavin, and there's the sounds of wild creatures flying overhead and rummaging through the brush, and wooly swinging through the trees, and there's this deep you know, sort of tribal jungle, scary music playing in the background, and um, you guys got lost for a little
1: while. Yeah, we it's did. Like- hold and hold on for a second. I speaking about the music. Uh. At this point, now something would be missing if I was to game without a soundtrack. Really, as crazy as that sounds, it is. It is now as ingrained in our what would you call it. I don't even know. I don't even know what the word is. Anyway, it's part of our experience. It's it's just it's almost an expectation now that if I showed up at somebody's D and D campaign and they didn't have something, I'd be like, What the hell? J C.
2: Hmm. Well, I can't promise I'm gonna do it for every campaign, Dave. It's about an hour or two of work for each session that I, you know, could be doing something else. Sure. But for for a flagship campaign i highly recommend it um like like my current one it it's it i love it too it's been it's been proven it's it's worth its weight right well you guys i mean you guys tried it around the jungles for a while of yavin you fought uh, some piranha beetles you know that i home up um and finally you got into an altercation with a pack of nexu um which yeah. aren't even native to yavin but alternate timeline go with it um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh you guys you know were, actually I, I mean i was totally amazed for you uh, ready for you guys just to get the crap kicked out of you. you got ambushed by a pack of three nexu their cr5s you guys were level what three three and um yeah
1: but the wookie the wookie critted one of them
2: yeah you took one down in one hit with yeah. your vibro i was very impressed and and so there was there was that, and they pretty much cleaned up house, more or less, only to discover that they had interrupted a uh, a hunt of the Nexu by a nearby primitive tribe of ancient Masasi warriors mm-hmm. that have been hiding on Yavin for millennia. And uh, long story short, some very interesting attempts at communication with no one being able to speak the language um, ended in some wonderful perception checks and some amazing persuasion checks on the half of our noble, Ula, who uh, pretty much convinced them to, to take take me to your leader, more or less. And uh, you guys you know, trekked through the jungle for several hours and arrived at the base of this ancient Masasi temple where there was this you know, pretty much permanent village set up. Uh, consisting of huts raised on, you know, very large poles and platforms where the villagers would sleep at night, almost as if to, you know, avoid things that were in the jungle. Oh, oh, and, oh, oh. Um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of these Masasi all around, and you guys were, were led into this massive temple complex, you know, these ruins where you finally met the chief. And, uh, I mean, I, if I recall correctly, I mean, you... I mean, what, what were your initial impressions of that, Dave? I mean... I mean were you were you worried at all were you
1: curious what
2: was uh what was going through the character's mind
1: Um I was thinking to myself that this was very much like the Ewok thing on Endor
2: Oh well that's an excellent comparison and uh, very 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 much you know culture clash so to speak
1: Yeah except that this wasn't you know we we were dealing with the opposite end of the spectrum we weren't talking about little fur balls we were talking about, you know, yeah, 12 three meters meter, tall, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, red-skinned, you know, uh, tentacle beard, you know, humanoids with gigantic obsidian axes. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. But long story short, because um, uh, obviously I'm dragging here, uh, there were also you guys were also very surprised to discover that the, the chief had a, a sort of a shaman or, or, or assistant chief, for lack of a better term, that was wearing a utility belt and blaster pistol. And uh, it was very odd to you, and only one of you managed to pick up on a perception roll. Totally flipped me out. Uh, again, the and scout made this amazing perception roll to pick up that he could actually understand your conversation and could speak basic and was very carefully hiding the fact that he could not. Um, and uh, Booter kept that knowledge to himself, didn't he?
1: He did. Uh,
2: um, all, the way until it, all the way until it became pertinent. Well, bottom line uh, you know the pcs asked to, to you know very carefully to, to to go through the tribes land and, and to search for you know there' this artifact they're searching for um, while looking for this Jedi master and uh, they're told they have to prove themselves not only to remain alive but to uh, to, to pass through Masasi land and uh, the music swells and they're led down into this large pit and this is where the encounter really begins and why it was an absolute beast to run Uh they're encouraged to choose one champion, which, of course, Dave Wookie was the Wookie. Uh, it, it's very clear that they're they're led into sort of a gladi- gladiatorial arena, very cr- pr- crude and primitive arena. And this massive three and a half meter tall Masasi warrior comes uh, lurching out of a, a nearby hut and you know, drops down oh, out of the pit, oh, oh, roars, oh, oh. and does a, a King Kong on his chest. And of course, the Wookie gets into it too. And here's where it totally amazes me. Okay. Dave, you've spent a lot of time building up your character, all right? You have the right armor, you have the right weapons, y- you know how to use them very, effective to a de- very effectively to devastating consequences. Right. And this guy, who is carrying a very large sword uh, made of what looks to be a crew type of steel and armor, uh, you know, very primitive armor, strips it off, tosses his weapon to the side wearing nothing but more or less a loincloth and barehanded, he motions to you forward and challenges you while roaring defiantly and the crowds cheering and you don't even hesitate man you you rip off your own armor you take your weapon that you have all your feats with and all your talents and you toss it to the side and you proceed to go toe to toe with this guy fist fighting wise and you don't have the martial arts talents or or, or martial arts feats right um it's just you're you're d4 and, and of course your massive strength but uh I was just totally impressed. You didn't even didn't even phase you. You just didn't even think twice. It was the role playing thing to do, and you did it. it was um, fun. I mean gosh, it that, that alone just impressed the living heck out of me.
1: That it helped that I got a crit in there too.
2: You got you got like two or three crits during that fight. That was very <laughs> cool. But well that's great. So the rest of the party's sitting around going, Ho hum, ho hum, okay, well this is gonna be a one on one fight. We'll sit here and look pretty. Well, a first round into this combat, and all these Masasi are around cheering. Uh, a few well well done perception rolls notice that the uh, the advisor, the uh, shaman from earlier, um, is off to the side, motioning to a, a group of Masasi scout, hunter, warrior people with with bows, and uh, motioning, m- making very obvious motions to the Wookiee in the pit, and uh, you know, running a finger across his throat, and uh, they nod very quickly and proceed to move to take sniper positions in the huts that overlook the area, um, and so so does he and start to draw his his uh, blaster pistol and so the players are in a situation where they're under guard okay more or less but you know everyone seems to be watching the fight at this point now dave you knew what was going on but you steadfastly kept your character involved on the fight because you know that's what your character would do right and plus you, you were raging by that point weren't you yes okay so wookie rage all out well, these guys proceed to... It was just incredible teamwork, the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. We have a soldier in the party, a Jedi, a scoundrel, um, a scout, and a noble. They were still just watching all this, okay? Well, first round, he can. The scoundrel just immediately makes a distraction. Um, in fact, rerolls it because he's a Twi'lek, uh, his deception roll, and uses stealth to slink away from the guards and go, you know, try and, and, and catch these guys that are going to start some crap. Um The rest of them, uh, the scout does the same thing, but the Jedi and the soldier, they're kind of stuck there. The noble, uh, taking a cue, immediately turns to the chief and the guards and uh, distracts them um, with with an amazing deception check, just just to make a distraction. And at the time, she she looks at me and she says, okay, I know that you can make a distraction to hide. Can I make a distraction for them to hide? To stealth away? And uh, according to Raw, no. But Gosh, I, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to do that. It makes good sense to me. It might be a little bit harder, so I up the the DC a bit, um, and she still managed to pull it off, and it worked beautifully. And pretty soon, all you guys had slunk off, and she's sitting there, you know, shaking her leku at the, <laughs> yeah. at the chief, and uh, staring down at the fight that's going on. And this turned. I mean, how long was that? Was that encounter, Dave? It was like twenty rounds. It was
1: Long, dude. It was long. long. By that, I mean we had guys in all the. In all the little uh, sniper positions coming up behind, uh, they wound up in firefights. We had all kinds of, the Wookiee had a freaking arrow stuck out of his back and yeah, these, um. these
2: guys start sniping at the Wookiees. Uh, the, P- the PCs are running up these, these little rickety ladders to try and get to these sniping positions to take people out. The Masasi are going crazy. They're starting to a- attack. The chief is going nuts. He's starting to attack. And uh, all the while, the noble is trying to convince him that everything's okay and that she eventually does. And at the same time, most amazing, managed to look at one of the uh, more dangerous Masasi and actually intimidate him out of the fight, um, yeah. even despite the overwhelming odds, which... Yeah. Uh, amazed the academy. Yep. Um, and and in the end, it was it was just this massive, massive fight. Now, the one element of this story that I guess I haven't mentioned is that you guys had uh, a with you, a seven-year-old Rodian girl, right? Um, and who's just kind of part of the plot and has really clung on to the Wookiee. Well, the Jedi is watching Hrida, and Hrida gets shot by an arrow, and she actually goes unconscious. Um, I actually had to spend her only Force point to keep her from dying. And, uh, cause obviously, I'm going to be seeing her and our, our scoundrel, our force sensitive scoundrel Jedi, um, played by GM Brev. He's, gosh, what was he? Six squares up, seven, six or eight squares up, uh, off the ground in the middle of this hut, sees it go down, turns around, battle strikes. And, and I think, didn't he get like, he rolled like a, it rolled super high, rolled like a 20 and he's used the force check. right? Okay. Kills this Masasi warrior he's fighting in one blow, turns and does a flying leap out of the window, falling eight squares down to the ground. He made a, an acrobatics check. He, you know he took took a couple squares off the damage, but still he took enough damage to bring him down to like two hit points. And he knew he was going to. But it was the most heroic thing I you know I've seen the character do yet. And he ran to the girl and with two hit points left, proceeded to shield her from incoming attacks. Her body, her unconscious body, lying on the ground. Okay. Yep. Everything's going nuts. All hell's breaking loose. The noble finally convinces the chief of what is going on and that his own people are, you know, despoiling this, this ceremony and this rite of passage, this combat. And um, eventually it all comes in hand. And that very last round of combat, you, Dave, finally bring down your attacker who is two levels higher than you. And this is a one-on-one combat. I expected you to go
1: down. I thought it was a, I thought it was a CL6. Uh,
2: oh yeah, excuse, excuse me, three levels higher than you He was a CL6 You bring him down in single hand combat He's got martial arts too, for Pete's sake Okay, You bring him down in single handed combat, you know, you're hurting but the best part is you're still raging You reach down and as Brev says you curb stomped his face into the ground You mm. drew a ceremonial dagger and literally coup de grace him, mm. killed him right then and there and you earned a dark side point for it.
1: Yes, I did.
2: Which kind of brings a, an end to the "when the good games go great" segment, and that uh, wonderful little foray that I'll remember for some time as an awesome encounter. And I want to ask you about that dark side point. How do you feel about it?
1: I fully expected it. It was, um, it was. I would have been disappointed had I not gotten it. But it was one of those role playing things that you're obviously drawing an inference to Roman gladiators with this kind of primitive combat. And in in the old world, yes, either you'd kill the guy when he was down or you'd wait for a cue, yes or no, to kill the guy. And so I actually played it up a little bit. I, I want to say for a round I, like, stood over him and and. Like put my arms out as if to take a cue from the audience, and then stomped him, or killed him. <laughs> I remember it all. Hell was
2: Half the audience was cheering you; the other half were fighting each other and the interlopers. It was a pretty amazing combat, but. Anyway, I, I, I was very pleased with it, and I wanted to pause with this good games very lengthy when good games go great segment to give major props and kudos to my group, an amazing group of role players. Uh, that it, it just it's it's kind of funny when you make the proper role playing choice when you play your characters the way you're supposed to, those
1: dice seem to favor you, don't they? Yeah, it's funny how that happens.
2: You always seem to roll the twenties. You always seem to, uh, to to get the crits and to to, to get the above-average rolls and uh, and avoid the ones. And uh, it, it's very interesting. And uh, the better you guys were doing, the more I find myself being unable to hit the broadside of a barn when I roll dice.
1: You were rolling
2: like crap. I know, I know, and it always happens whenever it needs to. So, food for thought. And the force that lives in us all and controls the dice. Yup. <laughs> Well, let's move on, Gamer Nation. uh, We're running a little long here. Very. Um, Very long, but that's okay. That's all right. We had our Build a Threat contest end, and I guess now's the time to talk about it. Yeah, Dave? Uh Mm-hmm. I suppose so. I reckon. Uh, we had some amazing stuff submitted online for the Threats Contest. And you guys can go to our website at d20radio.com. You can uh, you, you can see all everything that was submitted. There was a lot of really amazing stuff. Okay, Now, as a quick t- reminder for everyone, when you look at this stuff, the rules. The creation for the Threats Contest had to be original. I mean, no, none of this, you know, statting out something that you know, we just haven't gotten to yet in Saga. You know, something that's already statted out in, you know, revised revised core rules. Or, uh, you know, so something to that effect. Um, each user was limited to three builds for entry only, and each entry posted was final. It couldn't be altered. And of course, the winners playing for a free copy of The Chosen One, Chris Lackey, uh, Clacky, on our forums, uh, his new animated film slated that uh, released at Comic Con uh, just this past month. And you can check out more about it at www.thechosenonemovie.com uh, for more details. And all entries were judged by Dave and I on adherence to Raw, playability, um, ease of use, and most importantly, sheer and utter. Coolness. Um, ultimately guys, it was this. And Dave and I talked about this. Can can we can we see ourselves using this in our game?
1: Yes. And all of that's it. yeah. Or at least all now, that, the all the honorable mentions in the winner.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And there was even more I could see, but I mean, yeah. we wanted to keep we wanted to keep it to three honorable mentions and then the winner. And these this was definitely kind of the cream of the crop, and we, we can see using I can see using these in all of my, all of my games. They were just incredible. Um, you all surprised us with your creativity, your intelligence, and your amazing design. So let's start with our honorable mentions. Okay, uh, the first one, uh, Zerissa. Uh, her Strill, uh, the Mandalorian Hunt Hound. Uh, which I've read about, uh, but I've never seen statted before. It was wonderfully done, um, and I was very pleased. Um, and as long as my Mando player promises not to listen to this podcast, I, I actually think I might even put these in my current game. Um, I thought it was very well done, and I was I was great to finally see that statted out in a way that made sense to me, um, that that I, I will use in the future, Zyrista. Thank you for that. Um, what was next, Dave?
1: Uh, Yooksak Rabin with his J. Luna. This was really kind of funny.
2: I like this. Um, yeah. Uh, J. Luna used speeder salesman, uh, which was funny, but it was actually a really good entry. Um, ASOC created something else that we I mean, we can honestly I can honestly see myself using this in my game. I mean, it was a simple CL3 NPC, but it had so much ability in all the right places. I mean, I felt there was a niche for this in in many campaigns. I mean, renamed this this you know little. Twi'lek salesman, broker, um, you know decep- deception guru, could be used for anything. It could be a, you know an, an information broker, uh, a supply man for your, NP- for your NPC, or NPC supply man for your players. Um, there was just so many routes you could go with it. I thought it was a short, simple, and sweet design, um, and something we haven't seen anything of that niche in threats. I thought it fit perfectly.
1: Yep, me too.
2: And the third honorable mention uh, goes to, and this was a very close decision, yeah. um, But uh, the third honorable mention goes to uh, LB4000 and his creation, Sylvan of Hudden, the disgustingly ruthless and effective force using interrogator. Um, LB drew together the best and the worst of the force and the noble talents, uh, creating a character that masterfully combines some very, very, very powerful abilities um not not too terribly much combat wise aside from you know intimidation and you know depth negotiator um except for you know dr she could certainly stand up in a fight but out of combat especially this character is just utterly ruthless um i mean like she like force stun three times get you down the condition track and then interrogate you you know stuff like that um it made good use of a lot of the different rules drawing it together and what i really liked about it was that it, it it expanded on the core system, LB. It was clear you understood how the system was supposed to function um, with defenses and how things are supposed to affect them on a core level. And that was really good. That was really good. And I greatly I appreciated that. But we also greatly appreciated the winner of this contest, Dave.
1: Yep. And this, yep. I'll tell you what ultimately kind of tipped the scale was backstory picture a lot of a lot of work went into making this yeah threat yeah
2: and uh the winner of this contest is full-on gamer and his tactical ground ground trainer droid mr smith or mr5 uh, m1 th uh i mean this is a nightmare of droid creation goodness he is completely raw legal and not even as broken as he could be Uh, But using every dirty underhanded trick in the droid uh, creation book, uh, coupled with fun, unique design and personality. Um, I mean, uh, Mr. Smith has a smattering of HK-47 mixed with clint eastwood (laughs) mixed with master chief um uh blaster using excellent terminator (laughs) yeah and and the terminator of course uh i mean just blaster use a multitude of, of true utilitarian and versatile combat options that can be used in multiple scenarios and there's the bottom line cool ass concept uh really won this for you full on so be happy man Uh, We're going to get the DVD to you. Uh, We're going to contact you by email and uh, get a good shipping address. And uh, with Clacky's help, you are the proud owner, uh, soon to be, of a brand new DVD.
1: woo 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 Woohoo! Be happy. Yeah. Good job, man. Good job.
2: (laughs) Well, Dave... With that, um, I'm a little worried. I mean, have you have you heard from TK at all? I know he has been he was out of commission last week, uh, nope. really not able to talk. But I, I heard, I got a little telegram that he was doing a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing. I haven't actually talked to him. But we're going to try and get in touch with him here in a second, I okay. suppose. Well, you want to give him yeah, a I shot? Mean, do you,
2: I mean, do you, is, he still, is he still at the, at the you know, Imperial Center Hospital? I mean, has he moved at all? I don't, I,
1: know. I, I don't know. Wherever he is, he's not supposed to be. There and he's not as opposed. I can guarantee you that. But,
2: oh. well, we will that's, that, that's the idea that goes without saying, though.
1: Yep. We will attempt communication with uh, aforementioned TK421 here forthwith and right now. Got a bad
2: feeling about this, Dave.
1: <laughs> it's a good thing you said that. Okay. Well, there we go. TK421, do you copy? See, I knew it. I knew he wasn't going to be there. TK421, do you copy? Well, hey man, how the hell you doing, Ozer? Well... I'm
0: back, son, I'm back in the saddle, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Oh man, my rehab has been something else, I'll tell you what, buddy, <laughs> uh-huh. I will tell you what. And hey, I, I just want to say right now, I just want to say, toilet goodness. You can check out my card piece anytime,
1: sister. Oh, Lord. Anytime. Uh, time. Woo! Speaking of that, how is the old dingus?
0: Oh, uh, well, uh, well, you know why. I don't, I don't want to talk about it too much, not, not, not on the air with all all these folk listening, but, uh, it's, 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 it's only up and up, if if you know what I mean, it's, it's pretty good, man. I, I feel like a new man all over again, I swear, this has been a real, a real liberating experience for me, you know? I feel like I've, I've moved to a new level in life with this, uh, this experience that I've had and, and gained, and, uh, I don't know, man, I, I just, I just found myself being able to just do things better than I could do before and handle things better than I could and you know I don't know why man I'm just you know across the board I just I just feel like I'm a, I'm a better person than I once was
1: good I'm glad sometimes staring death in the face just does that for you
0: yeah I know what you mean man I know what you mean but whew, I was staring a lot more than dead in the face these past few days <laughs> I tell you what man but I'm supposed to be checking out tomorrow, man. I don't know. I really ain't looking forward to getting back to duty, you know. But a uh, uniform calls, man. And a good servant of the Empire, he does not say no.
1: All right. Well, very good, sir. All
0: right, hosiers, Well, uh, it's good to hear from y'all. i won't to go. I'm going to try to hook me up at least one more, one of them sponge baths before I leave here.
1: Of course. One of those sponge baths,
0: yeah. You wouldn't be you if you weren't you taking got a sponge. You got these Rhodian nurses, man. These Rhodian nurses, man. Have none of them. No, no, no none of them give you sponge baths, but damn, if you ever laid up in the hospital. They got these little suck shitty cups on
1: the end of their fingers, man.
3: Woo, buddy.
1: All right. That sounds good. <sighs> Later, All right, man. Wow. That guy's a mess.
2: <laughs> I'm sad and dismayed. That he's actually back. <laughs> <sighs> oh well.
1: Well, well we Dave,
2: can. you were saying?
1: Nothing. I was just gonna say uh. we can go ahead and step into the bay now. On that note.
2: Oh, most definitely.
1: Yeah, most definitely.
2: Most definitely. Most definitely.
1: learn a lot from Coach Mata. Most definitely.
0: D20 Docking Bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it.
1: That's right, boys and girls. Woohoo!
2: Well, this episode of the D20 Docking Bay is brought to you by uh, one of our new listeners and posters, GM Hysteria. And uh, I don't know how. how Amicable I am to you using GM in your
1: name, son. I am i don't know how amicable I am either.
2: Down here in Texas, we we're liable to string a man up for that. Yeah, but um, not not really. No, I I don't really give a crap. Uh, but I am very thankful that uh, you you're listening and uh, and and posting at d20radio.com/forum, where any of you who may have a question for the docking bay or in general can post up your stuff. But uh, GM Mysteria asked a couple good questions that have opened up a can of skillful worms. And uh, in his post, um, after stroking our egos uh, in his post, uh, he, he goes on to <laughs> mention that he, uh, he used to be a Star Wars gamer from back in the WEG days and also found love with D20 RCR. But he's got an inherent issue with Saga. And he says, Now, I, li- I loved West End and I love the revised rules. And I have to admit I'm liking Saga Edition as well. The only thing that bugs me is the skill system. Don't get me wrong, the Saga skill system works. I like a lot about it, except the way training works. I've always been a fan of characters using skill points or increasing their skills gradually, and the concept of characters suddenly becoming good at at something still annoys me. How do you handle this concept in-game? Is it something you worry about? Is there a good way to describe a player getting a new skill to players? Any advice would be appreciated. Well, this is good food for thought, Hysteria, and uh, I think it should engender a good discussion about the arguably most debated mechanical change in this edition, skills. So let's do a bit of review first. Chapter four of the core rulebook starts espousing the new skill system right there in black and white and color on page 57. Uh, It outlines several of the precepts, many of which go beyond the mechanical into implied territory. But let's take a quick uh, trip down review skill street. Uh, You train (laughs) your skills at first level. Uh, the only way to train in more is to spend a feat on skill training, or get smarter uh, by increasing your intelligence modifier. Uh, you get a bonus to all skill checks equal to half your character level, heroic or non, rounded down, that's a big deal. And aside from the relevant ability modifier going up, the only other way to increase your skill check is through skill focus feet. So great, what does this mean in relation to prior systems? Well, it's all about ditching the skill points. It's clear the designers of Saga found fault with a few things that bugged the heck out of me, too. Uh, Namely, that the old skill point system meant that you could have a level 20 character. 20! The pinnacle of achievement! Yoda! The Emperor! Who could have a negative modifier in a skill... Uh, I'm sorry, Sir Eglomore, you've been adventuring for 30 years. You've learned to scale sheer rock faces with nothing but toothpicks. You speak 73 languages, understand the deepest mysteries of the cosmos, and you can rend a lesser man in twain with one blow of your mighty sword. But you still can't jump more than, oh, say, three feet horizontally. Yeah. You didn't put points in that. (laughs) That just bugged the crap out of me. Okay. Um... And so it's been changed to the half level bonus. For me, at least, I think characters should get better at all skills as they gain levels. All of them. And under Saga's current rules, this happens gradually. Uh, Hysteria, you're saying you miss the gradual uh, increase of skills. Well, no, it still happens. It just happens to every single skill, pretty much. Uh, specialization happens through a different way, but you're never going to have a scenario now where you've got a level 1 character like you could in RCR, or even a better example in 3.5 D&D, who has a, a better uh, you know use of a simple skill um, through the use of one feat and, and a good ability than a level 10 character would. Uh, that's just not realistic, it doesn't make much sense. Um, yeah, as much sense as fantasy gaming can get. So that's kind of where it goes for me, and that's really where I see the the experience being gained. It's on a more visceral level than that. As you level up, you get better at all your skills. Everyone does. There's no really explanation needed. You have more experience. You learn how to do just about everything better, basically. So then it boils down to training, being trained in a skill. Okay, well if that's the case, then what does skill training represent? Well training represents another plus five bonus mechanically. <laughs> yeah, okay. But it represents specified time spent learning techniques or or just a natural aptitude, okay? In game These are the things, you know, the skills you're trained in are the things you you love studying in school, okay? Or that you were just plain good at, you know, born aptitude for. And you will get better as you get older, um, even with these amazing skills, you know, i.e. when you gain levels. We all do. But you and those like you will always be one step ahead of those that aren't trained. Remember Hysteria, the average person in the Star Wars universe, at least according to Saga, i.e. non-heroic, is only trained in one maybe two skills usually at most Um, and those are the things they specialize in they get by with everything else just on their half level bonuses or you know or basic experience is another way to put it and uh, pcs you know shouldn't feel bad about you know just having one or two levels of experience to kind of you know or or, or areas of focus to kind of touch on your second question uh, that we're going to be coming to also, as you gain levels, you could devote your experience to gaining aptitude in something new uh, by taking skill training as a feat. Okay, Now, you said in, how do you do this in your games? In my games, this feat represents you taking the time to devote yourself to mastering something that you knew basic knowledge about beforehand, but now you've just taken the time to really bone up on it. Um, also, if your intelligence goes up and you simply get smarter, it makes sense in-game that you just start picking up on some other things, more or less. Now, the last piece of this puzzle is skill focus. Okay, what if I want to be really good at something? Not just studied and having an aptitude, but I want, to be, I want to be one of the best at it, okay? Well, skill focus is the above and beyond. In my games, it represents a hardcore drive to be the absolute best, or an innate, gifted state that few can ever hope to grasp. Um, and that's kind of how I represent it in my games. But, you know, all skills are not meant to have plus 15s to them, alright? My best guide, dude, is to look at the developer-created NPCs in the modules and the published books. Many of these, they're they're trained in two or three skills, even at higher levels. I'm prepping the the Darth Revan module for Gen Con right now, getting my stuff together, I don't want to leak anything, but I'm telling you, I'm looking at the PCs right now, they're ninth level, and they're, you know, trained in two, three, you know, I mean maybe maybe four or five skills if they're the noble or the scout, okay? I mean, nothing huge, and their pluses are not very, very too terribly high. And it's okay. They still kick butt. Most folks get by on their ever gradually increasing half level bonus. That's it. But for others, skills are what's really important. And Hysteria follows up his question with, I was trying to come up with a threat for your Threats of the Galaxy contest, and I was creating characters. I realized many of them were becoming skill whores. Is being trained in skills all that important in Saga Edition, or should I devote more character builds to feats and talents? Well, dude, that is the question, and the heart of what we've been talking about just now. I mean, dude, frankly, my answer is to build a skillful character if you want one. I mean, that's kind of a lame answer, I know, but the bottom line is that, with the notable exception of the scout, Most skillful characters don't have great combat ability, and vice versa. But you know what? Both things are needed in a campaign. Or they should be, at least. What you devote your character choices to is the heart of your character. And if you are making a skill monkey, there's nothing wrong with that. If not, then revel in a system that accurately sacrifices skillfulness for the ability to lay the beat down on things. Hard. Word.
1: To your to your mind. (laughs) No, you owe me a coke, Jinx.
2: Bah, beach to it. Ah-ha. And with that, I am off to go uh, not go to bed and uh, prep some more stuff for Gen Con
1: Damn, So man. peace, love,
2: and good gaming.
1: And keep them dice rolling.
2: This is the tactical
0: ground trainer M5, uh, MR5 M1TH. You can call me Mr. Smith. You know what I really hate? Podcasts. Like the poncy bastards with too much time and no supervisions over at Order 66.
1: i never listen to them.
0: D20 Radio, where gamers roll
2: Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen
1: Con, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con. One good I'm... thing about staying up till 2 in the morning Yo. is that I got to see Michael Phelps win his gold medal live.
2: Wow. Did Pretty you watch cool. the opening ceremony?
1: No. No, I didn't. I don't remember what I was doing. China
2: told the world that they were badass. <laughs> All
1: right. It whatever. was eerie,
2: man. The, no, the, seriously, the eeriest part to me was there was a part where they had probably 10,000. Thousand martial artists out in the arena, and they were all doing kata, good kata, simultaneously. And it was beautiful. But at the same time, I paused to consider the underlying statement they were making. They were all adolescents, every single one of those 10,000 martial artists, probably aged 11 to 13. And the thought that went through my head was wow, that's their future.
1: Yeah. What's ours? Mm. Mm. Nothing Fat Man can't fix. (laughs) Word.